Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that the Lord's Prayer is my go-to prayer when navigating the storms of life. And there was pretty much no shortage of those this week for me. So, when I get to the part, thy kingdom come, sometimes I pause and I think, what exactly am I asking for? And what is it that I'm anticipating? Perhaps you too ask yourselves this question. Today's scripture from the Gospel of Mark seems to be a lesson about fulfillment. But what do you think that Jesus intends for us to understand? Here in the 21st century, amidst conflicts in Afghanistan, a Gulf Coast hurricane, and a pandemic with no end in sight, what exactly are we asking for? Mark 1, 14 to 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Are you a generalist or are you a specialist? Generalist. Those are the individuals that we refer to as someone with that is a, a jack of all trades. Someone that you can have a conversation with, and while they may not be able to go in great depth in every area, they seem to just be aware of some of the bigger issues in a multitude of subjects. They might even have skill sets in a wide variety of ways. They may know enough to unplug your sink, but you wouldn't want them to do the plumbing in your house. The person you want to do the plumbing in your house, that person's the specialist. That's the individual who has honed a skill. I think about our musicians. They are specialists. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have other skills but they have taken the time to specialize in just one area. I think of Julie, our artist of the Beatitudes paintings. She's a specialist. Sorry about Now I need... Is it still on? All right. Yeah, I need a specialist. <laughs> Sorry about those of you who are watching us online. Uh, that was a technical difficulty. Um, but again, going back to this idea of specialists, specialists exist in a wide variety of areas. Specialists also can exist when it comes to ideas. These are individuals who take their time and their energy and focus in upon 
a particular idea or a subject. For some, it may be democracy. For others, it's capitalism. For others, it may be in the area of religion. But the specialist has that one area that seems to be their true north, where they're kind of tracking. Now, again, there's other areas that surround them, but that's kind of overall the direction that they're moving in. When we consider the life of Jesus, the only way we can really get to know him is in the Gospels. And when you read the Gospels, you find out that Jesus, well, he was a specialist. He had one idea that he continually seemed to be coming back to. And again, the only way we know that is through reading the different Gospels. These individuals who wrote 50, 60 years later, they were able to recall the things that were prominent about Jesus when they were able to spend time with him. For Jesus, it was the kingdom of God. In the passage that was read for us, we actually captured that idea. The writer says that when Jesus was baptized, and he uses that verse kind of as a transition, that Jesus is moving from the private sector to the public sector. And as he enters into the public sector, you as a reader are to understand that what Jesus is going to be about in the Gospel of Mark. He's going to be about the kingdom of God. But what's amazing is, as you read the Gospels, you'll find out that the meaning of the kingdom of God is very, very vague. Jesus never clearly defines it. Jesus never says, the kingdom of God is dot, 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 dot. Instead, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he uses parables. He takes something that is familiar to people, the mustard seed, leaven. He takes these ideas that people would go, oh yeah, we know what he's talking about. And then he uses those to speak about that which is unfamiliar, the kingdom of God. But let's be honest, when you read those parables, you don't walk away going, oh, I got it. <laughs> yep, that's what he's talking about. Even his disciples had a hard time understanding his parables. So again, it leaves us with this sense of vagueness. What is this kingdom of God? And because of that vagueness, we are, we are finding a wide variety of opinions on what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God. For example, there are some people that believe that the kingdom of God is heaven. That when they die, there will be their soul will go to the kingdom of God, heaven itself. For other people, the kingdom of God is an inner reality. The kingdom of God, they say, is in you. For other people, it's the Christian church. The early church and how it continued. Where it gets somewhat questionable is between the Catholics and the Protestants. If you believe that the Christian church is the kingdom of God, which one is the kingdom of God between the Catholics and the Protestants? We also see it in special parts of society. P parts of society that are separate 
In my mind, I think about cults. Many of them believe that they are doing what God wants for them. And people that are looking for certainty in their life, they rally behind that. And if you believe that's the kingdom of God, that can give you a lot of solace and a sense of comfort inside. For other people, the kingdom of God is a new nation. Christian nationalists often talk about America as being the kingdom of God. They desire that America be ran by Christian principles and Christian values. And they have no problem instilling those and enforcing those upon other people. But probably the biggest one when it comes to the kingdom of God is that it's something that will happen in the future. That there will be this new world. That somehow God is going to break in and wipe things out save the just, and then create a brand new world, and we will live forever in utopian. But all of these, they're just guesses. It's our attempt to try to understand what we see in the Gospels. So this week I thought, well, I'll give it a shot, and I'll share it with you. Now, please understand, I, I'm not saying I'm right. But as I contemplated and I looked at all these different ideas that were out there, I thought, I wonder, what if when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of, of God, he was actually speaking about God's intention for the world? Maybe Jesus believed that he understood what God's intention was for humanity. I thought, okay, well then what would that be? And again, in reflecting back upon the Gospels, there seems to be a common theme that runs parallel with the kingdom of God, and that's love. Over and over, the writers tell us about how Jesus talks about and sees God as love and how we are to love others. So is it possible that the kingdom of God is God's intention for humanity, which in essence is love and compassion that we have for ourselves and for other people? And along with that, comes a sense of equality. I mean, it is amazing to me to read the Gospels, and as you read them, all of a sudden you realize that Jesus treated people the same. He didn't treat those with political or religious power better than the person who was begging by the side of the road. Jesus perhaps when he's talking about the kingdom of God, is envisioning that humanity, when they are functioning at their optimum level, when they are fully human, then they will be experiencing the kingdom of God as it is expressed in love and compassion for others and for themselves and treating other people equally.
So what's amazing, though, is if you ask yourself, well, why did Jesus continue to talk about this? Well, to me, it becomes quite clear that as Jesus was looking around himself, as he was looking at the culture and the society in which he was living, I don't think he saw a lot of that being lived out. But he had a vision of what he believed that God wanted for humanity, so he kept talking about it. Let's be honest. This last week, we've realized that we are far, far away from being a species that has learned to treat each other with love and compassion. Treating people equally. I reflected back over this week and the atrocity that's happening right now in Afghanistan. But I've also seen another atrocity happening. I see how us as human beings here in this country are politicizing this. People are losing their lives. People's they're afraid. And yet, here in our country, it seems politically both sides are using this as an opportunity to score some points for themselves. I imagine that we too need to be reminded about the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is built upon love and compassion and equality. And I think that's why Jesus realized that what we need in our world is transformation. It's a transformation that begins with you and it begins with me. And that first step is being able to love ourselves. Again, I look at the life of Jesus. And man, I'm amazed. I mean, here's a, here's a person that really seems to have his act together. He seems to have accepted who he was and what he felt he was about. Maybe you can call that he learned how to love himself. And to me, the greatest evidence of that was his critics when he was criticized by others, how he responded says a lot about how he saw himself. He was secure in who he was. He didn't need to tear other people down to build himself up. The challenge that I imagine Jesus had as he matured and grew in life, and the challenge that we have is that we have been taught 
from childhood up that we're unlovable, we're not good enough. I was talking to a therapist this week. 80, they believe that 87% of families are dysfunctional. Can I get an amen, right? I said amen because that's me. 87% of families are dysfunctional. And what happens is we grow up in, in our world. People just keep throwing these layers on us through their words, through their actions, through the different experiences we have, the way that people treat us, the way that people talk to us. And we begin to feel this weight that we're not as good as we could be. There's something maybe wrong with us, and if we could fix that, maybe we would be more lovable, and people would really accept us for who we are. If we are to learn to love ourselves, then we've got to begin to peel off those layers. And this is not easy work. And the majority of us just ignore it. We've learned not to, to feel those parts. But the reality is those parts come out and they express themselves in the way that we relate to other people, from those that are closest to us to, the, to people that are our enemies. They're going to manifest themselves. So to love oneself is not easy. One writer I looked at said, first step you could do, and I, I, this isn't the primary purpose of the sermon, but I thought I would just share at least one thing that I'm going to try. They said, one thing you could do to start learning how to love yourself is just simply to accept your emotions. Not be critical about them. How many of us said, oh, I shouldn't be feeling that way? Or if we feel something inside of us, we look for a way to distract ourselves so we don't have to feel it. This individual advised, they said, just learn to accept the emotions that are within you without judgment. I think that's why Jesus talked about that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we focus on that side, that how I love you is dependent upon how I love myself. A marriage and family therapist said the following, the secret to feeling loved by your partner, by your family, or by others in the world is surprisingly simple. Love yourself first. And then she adds a line here that I thought was incredible. She said, now, don't roll your eyes. The truth is, when you don't feel enough love on the inside, 
when you don't feel that you're good enough, that you're lovable enough, that you're smart enough, that you're anything enough, the default is to move into trying to get someone else to make you feel this way. You figure that if they love me, then I feel loved. And so we go around craving the attention and the approval of other people so that we can feel loved. And instead, maybe the kingdom of God is trying to teach us that first and foremost, we have to have love and compassion for ourselves and realize that equality means there's no one in this world who's better than you. And with that, there is no one in the world who is worse than you. And if you love yourself, that becomes your reality. And when you, we learn to love ourselves, we learn how to love other people. And the power of loving other people. I mean, I look at, again at the light. I, I'm amazed every time I read the Gospels about these things about Jesus. Jesus understood the impact that love had on other people's lives. I mean, one of the things that amazes me about Jesus' life is that he noticed people. I mean, think about these gospel writers. 40, 50 years later, when they reflect back on the life of Jesus, how in the world do they remember some of this stuff? And the one thing that seems to be apparent to me is that what they remembered about Jesus was that he noticed people. Because Jesus understood the power that love can have on other people. And that when you love someone, when you have compassion for them, then you treat them as your equal. That's the power of the vision of the kingdom of God based on love, compassion, and equality. It has this ripple effect. It's kind of like what you can't really see it happening when it's happening right before you. You only can see it when you've been away from it or when you are looking back. It's so subtle as it happens. In October, my wife and I are flying to Lincoln, Nebraska, and we're going to see our grandchildren. And I imagine that I'm going to have the same experience with them that happened to me last week here after church. One of our youth, who for me over the last four and a half years, I've been able to watch grow up. He came right after church, and I got to see him. And I looked at him, and I said, shame on you. 
How dare you get taller than I am? I mean, he's a big young man. I hadn't seen him for just maybe four or five months. But he had grown. And that's the same thing that happens with the kingdom of God that is built on love and compassion and equality. It is happening to people as we learn to love ourselves and as we learn to love each other. It's making a difference. But I'm going to, I hate to burst your bubble, but in my opinion, this is time for a reality check. More than likely, the kingdom of God you will not experience in your lifetime in its fullest extent. And neither will I. I think that's why Jesus kept saying that the kingdom of God is in the future, but it's also in the present. Because it is happening now. We may not be fully aware of it, but it is happening. And more than likely, when I look around the world, there's no reason to believe that the kingdom of God will ever be fully realized. So, let's just give up. Right? Well, if we give up that vision of a kingdom of God built on love, compassion, and equality will just become a dream. And that's it. But you know what? With the years that I have left in my life, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try to be more intentional about loving myself. And then just be aware that I can make a difference in how I love other people. One writer, a theologian, said the following, the kingdom of God is more than a vision. It also includes the people. Inspired by the vision who work within society to transform it through small daily actions. Small daily actions. The way that you talk to other people. The way you talk to yourself. The way you treat other people. The way that you treat yourself. That's the kingdom of God. He goes on and he says, kingdom people lead radically transformed lives that stand in contrast in opposition to the society that surrounds them. Their actions comprise a conspiracy to subvert and disturb. Now that finally is a conspiracy that I can get behind. 
I mean, look at all the conspiracies around us. What this writer says is that the kingdom of God, the way that we love other people and the way that we love ourselves, that is a very subversive and disturbing to the society around us and the systems that are around us. The kingdom of God, those individuals are continually, daily, moving towards social transformation, one person at a time. Lord's Prayer. Some people like it, other people hate it. You're going to hear it sung right now. And when we come to that line, thy kingdom come. How committed are you to that? How committed are you when you leave here today to just do one thing to love yourself just a little bit more? Just that. And you say, well, Tony, we should tell us we actually have to love other people. No, 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 not, not today. Just do something for yourself this week to validate who you are and to love yourself just a little bit more. And you will be fulfilling the line that Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.